Well, there, there, is, a, there is a danger on the right that uh, the identity politics danger, because the right will play identity politics different than the left. The, the leftist theory is, well, we should all segregate ourselves into our identity groups, and then those who are the oppressor groups should repent and feel terrible for their oppressive acts and, and step aside. And that's one way of playing identity politics. But another way of playing identity politics is to hell with you. I will pick my identity group based on race or ethnicity, whatever it is that, that I feel most comfortable with, since that's the game, and then I'll play to win. And my sense is that there will be plenty of people attracted to the identity politics game that you win. And, you know, the people who've gone after me from the right wing have basically gone after me for exactly that reason. They say Peterson stresses individuality and individual responsibility, but fails entirely to appreciate the fact that we do manifest ourselves in groups, which is exactly the same thing that the, left, the radical leftists argue. And that it's necessary for those of us who wish to preserve our culture, etc., to group together in our homogenous group and act collectively to, what, what would you say, take our territory back, something like that. And, and that's very much a fascist um, perspective, fundamentally. But it's, if, if the fundamental game is identity politics, it isn't obvious why the logical choice is to lose. So now, you know, I, when I discuss this, I tell people that the whole idea that you should view the world through the lens that makes your collective identity paramount is a pathological game, no matter who's playing it, and it because it produces a reversion to divisive tribalism and small diverse tribes of people mostly fight. I'll give the speaker a B because there is a grain of truth in what he says, but only a B because he confuses the question and really gives us a quite incoherent political perspective. <clears throat> right. If you go back to say the, the uh, post-war period, I can see three great emancipatory movements that emerged in those decades after World War II. Uh, socialism, which uh, envisioned a world without exploitation of wage labor, uh, in which everyone had an equal uh, show of, of uh, deciding how the country would be run. The civil rights movement in the US, which envisioned a world without racism, and which all people could grow out without discrimination according to their, their color or ethnicity and the women's liberation movement that, that looked forward to a world without patriarchy in which women and men participated in social life equally. Now these were emancipatory movements which were motivated by grand visions of a better world. They were not identity politics. Right? Nevertheless, over the decades that followed uh, from the 70s into the 80s and 90s, these great movements, uh, particularly uh, like the latter ones, the civil rights movement and the women's liberation movement, kind of fragmented because in order to, to bring about these grand visions, uh, the, the uh, leaders or activists have to roll up their sleeves and get down among the group of people affected and who stand most to gain by fighting for this uh, uh, vision 
and you have to have practical projects to help them. You have to, for women's movement, you have to set up women's refuges where women can get away from domestic violence. You have to go into the courts and the, the unions and the workplaces and fight for equal pay. Uh, you, you have to uh, fight in the newspapers to get rid of sexist language, all sorts of issues like this. And in the course of concretizing the movement, uh, the, uh, the grand vision kind of uh, disintegrates into uh, smaller claims. And out of this uh, very necessary struggle arose identity politics. Now, the difference is between these grand emancipatory movements and identity politics is that identity politics, by its nature, can only mobilize a small group in opposition to other groups. Necessary as that may be for that small group, it doesn't mobilize whole populations and doesn't really express a vision that affects the lives of millions. Right? Now, once identity politics came onto the scene uh, in the 1980s, say, uh, yes, the speaker is right. There was an inevitable move that once progressives uh, start putting in these identity claims, of course, the right wing will as well. Right? Uh, uh, people will put in a claim, well, I'm an I'm a evangelical Christian, therefore I have my right to discriminate against homosexuals. If homosexuals want to make their claim for their right to come into my church, that's their claim. I've got the equal and opposite claim. Uh, and of course, the whole thing descends into uh, a total mire. Right? But see, you've got to, in America, there's confusion between left and right. The identity claims uh, were seen as a left-wing claim. So yes, of course, they end up later also as right-wing claims. There's a whole political landscape of identity claims, right? But left-wing is not about identity claims. Left-wing is about socialism, uh, women's liberation, civil rights. There's great movements where the lives of everyone are at issue. They're driven by visions of a better world. It's not identity politics. Identity politics inherently, even though it's necessary and fair in many instances, it has uh, a disintegrating, fragmentary uh, uh, logic to it. Okay? So there's a difference between a progressive that, that, that says, oh yes, we've got to be nice to this and that and the other type of people because we're progressive and we want to be nice to people, but oh no, keep your hands off my bank account. <laughs> 